0: This is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Welcome to Medically Speaking, and we are medically speaking tonight about nutrition again, and we are going to turn the tide a little bit with this. We are going to talk about what we eat and what some of the effects of what we eat can be, and my physician should be calling in in a few minutes, so I'm going to give you a teaser. We're going to have with us Dr. Shilpa who is an endocrinologist. She's been with us for the last couple of years now, new to this area. Her husband is actually a surgeon with us too, Dr. Shohan Shetty, specializing in um, gastric bypass surgery and general surgery at St. Mary's. So we have a dynamic duo team. Dr. Shilpa Shetty, um, when she calls in, I will give you a little bit more about her background. But I thought it was really a great idea to bring Dr. Shetty on and talk a bit about what we eat, how it affects us, and type 2 diabetes, because that is definitely one of her specialties within endocrinology. We um, The focus of the program, because it was Nutrition Month, we have a theme. I talked about it a little bit on Friday. I had with me Dr. Kathleen Muller, who um, is a primary care physician focusing on integrative medicine and is the medical director of the uh, integrative medicine um, center out at St. Francis. And I had Dr. Muller on. And if you hadn't had a chance to hear her speak about nutrition, she was amazing. She talked a lot about integrative medicine, talked a lot about how she works with her patients in diet. And she she talked about something about how medicine medicine doesn't focus on food. They don't focus on the diet sometimes. And, you know, we try to give people the tools we think they need, but when they walk out the door from some of our offices, it's definitely not something that we're able to watch them do. Only monitor it when they come back a year later for their checkups and they haven't had an opportunity to succeed. So Dr. Muller definitely works with those patients. And again, if you haven't had a chance, to hear her piece that was done um, this past Friday and you can actually hear it we already loaded it up on our podcast so we have a medically speaking podcast on iTunes so if you look up Dr. Kathleen Muller it's called chew on this because that's the name of the little teaser that uh, is a theme given to us by our spirit of women program Um, and I I think it's a great program and I think you'll definitely benefit from it and speaking of spirit of women while we're waiting for um, Dr. Shetty to call in we wanted to throw out to you this year um the spirit of women event the sparkle event which is our signature event which will be happening may 9th at the Aquaturf, and w-a-t-r will be live right johnny yeah Yeah. w-a-t-r will be live there which is really neat we do our medically speaking broadcast live from this Sparkle event and you are able to hear not just one but multiple physicians talk about services they provide for our community so I'm hoping to have a really good array of physicians for you to speak with um, the physicians that will be part of that Sparkle event are everything from a primary care to physician to podiatry to general surgery to OBGYN to our breast surgeons plus all the different services that we offer we'll have our uro- the urology team there we will have have pain specialists there, and you know not only just that, but again also the services at St. Mary. So I'm going to try to connect the physicians this year with the different service lines that they're part of. So as an idea, when our cardiologists are there, I'm going to have them there with the cardiology team from the hospital talking about what services are offered at the hospital. In addition to having the docs there for Q&A, we've done a piece. If you haven't been to the Sparkle event in the past, the last couple of years we've done a piece that um, has something called Dessert with the docs, And although very successful, we, un- not unfortunately, but because Sweet Maria's treats and cupcakes are so wonderful and they're so loved, we actually, when we open the doors for Dessert with the Docks, there happens to be about 900 women that's Come through those doors very aggressively to get at Cupcakes. And I think that focusing on the physicians and what they have to offer is really important. So we may change it up a bit this year. You may find the physicians in the main room at those service tables. So you really have an opportunity to to talk to them and spend time with them and have the cupcakes out there, too. Don't worry. The cupcakes are still going to be there. There's going to be other treats. There's going to be a... Ton of different food. The Aquaturf is so incredibly gracious in helping us design a menu. Um, so it's it's a very fun night. We haven't opened registration for that yet those of you that are members for the spirit of women we will definitely um, have your email sent out to you when that registration goes live if you are not a spirit of women um, member I so recommend and I know there's gentlemen out in the audience too so if you want to encourage your wives to go on stmh.org and click on our website and click on spirit of women it will open up um, to a large section um, I believe it's titled we have spirit and we're we have taken our spirit program and we have made it regional. So you're going to see a lot on there, but you're definitely going to be able to go in there and register um, for the spirit of women. It doesn't cost you anything to register. It's a free um, access to all information that we put out there. They put out uh, all kinds of general health information and recipes and all really neat things. You get email um, teasers every single month on a different topic and a different um, health tip. Um, I know we get bombarded with emails at times, but these are really neat and they kind of guide you down a path to where if we're going to have a program and if you may want to take advantage of it. We recently did um, our last program in February and had two orthopedic surgeons. And I know I've spoke to this before, so I apologize if, if I'm saying something you've already heard, but it's really important to know we've, we really want to take the opportunity, especially on our airtime, to educate everyone on all the programs we have. So as I was saying, we had two orthopedic surgeons, Dr. Eric Carlson and Dr. Michelle Mariani. Dr. Carlson of Active Orthopedics, and Dr. Michelle Mariani, who is of the Waterbury Orthopedics. And they worked together as a team to put on a program. Of course, we had it in the middle of, yes, again, another little snowstorm, which was definitely not fun. But we have some stir 30 who come out in anything, so they got themselves there. We had over 200 women. Um, a few people didn't show, but over 200 women still came out. Um, we had it out in the hotel in Southbury, off of exit 16, the Wyndham, I believe that is now. It's changed names a few times, I believe it's the Wyndham now. And we had a great night, and they talked a lot about um, active women and some of the orthopedic issues that we develop over the aging process. So again, as you're looking at Spirit of Women, we hit. A variety of topics and becoming regional also provides you as a Spirit member with access to if we have a program going on in the other markets. So our Sparkle event for Wadbury again is May 9th um, It is going to be again at the Aquaturf. It's dinner served around five thirty to seven. Um, I would definitely get there by five for your registration, but you definitely need to register for the event. This is the only event. That we charge for, and it is definitely a minimal fee because you get a full dinner, appetizers, dessert, a drink ticket, and all that we have over, close to. 33 vendors, including the service lines of all the hospitals and all of our physicians, which are around 30 physicians, that we scatter throughout the room for you to engage with. A lot of gifts, a lot of giveaways. And the ticket price, I believe this year, is only $15. So it's incredible. And, you know, if you have difficulty, I know the AquaTurf can get really, really busy. Um, They'll definitely assist you um, in parking. I believe our caller our uh, Dr. Shetty's on the line hang on one second hello hi hi Dr. Shetty Yes, why I didn't recognize your voice? I wasn't sure if you were a caller, or if you it was it was you. No, it's me. How are you, Dr. Shetty? Thank you I'm for good. calling. Thank you. We um we were talking that tonight. Um, well, this month we're actually focusing on, um, diet and it's Mm -hmm. because it's nutrition month and one of the things that um, we talked about um, the other day was we had on an integrative medicine specialist from St. Francis and she talked a lot about diet and it's and and a lot of things that we can do to help us change our diet and and really focus on a better way of living and the theme we have is Mm -hmm. called chew on this and and I'll read the subtitle really quickly because it's really good it talks about foods to eliminate to make us feel better Every day you make decisions about what to eat, but how much do you really think about what you're putting in your mouth? And Mm. if you're like most people, and we all, we don't really think about it very much. And nutritional decisions matter when it comes to keeping us healthy and preventing illnesses. So having you tonight for me was so important because you being a, You know an endocrinologist Mm -hmm. you see so many patients um every day that probably based on family history definitely at times but also sometimes with poor choices have led them down a path of type 2 diabetes so right thank you so much for coming on and i just want to give everybody a quick bio on you so when did you you joined us a couple years ago i joined you guys um almost two years ago almost yeah, almost two it would years. Be
1: September two thousand sixteen. Yep, so two thousand sixteen. So we're on. Yeah, we're years. getting
0: close to that two-year number. But yeah. you've done so many programs with us because you're so amazing to tap into <laughs> that. It feels like you've been here forever, and I've never not had you in my back pocket to pull out for tricks, to be able to talk. So you, um, you're board-certified physician specializing in diabetes, endocrinology, um, and metabolism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you graduated from medical school in India and traded in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom, right, prior That's to your right. residency. Um, and you did internal medicine residency at Griffin. I did right, yes. and then you continued at Griffin for an academic hospitalist prior to pursuing a fellowship in diabetes, and I believe that was at the University of Texas. Yes, that's which correct, which so is where I feel like I stole you. Yes,
1: <laughs> so I was I was in Dallas for a two year fellowship in diabetes and endocrinology, and uh, that's. When we spoke yeah. and um, yeah, and the rest is history. And you
0: know, I told I was telling the audience before you called in we had a little plug I had a little, you know, plug to you because your husband was yeah. a surgeon with us. So he kinda yeah. let us know that you were gonna be around. Well we love this yeah. dynamic duo team that we have. <laughs> I saw him I saw him this afternoon, yeah. and I said, she's going to call, and it makes it easier. He goes, oh, yeah. I said, tell her to pour a glass of wine and relax.
1: <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that, and I was like, I think I'll just have a coffee instead. I we <laughs> okay, well, we're in good company. I'm
0: having coffee, too, and when we get home, we'll pour the wine. So, That's great. So talking about what you see every day with your patients that come in and present with um, mm-hmm. a new diagnosis of diabetes too. How can mm-hmm. you help help us through that process? So um, a lot of the times the patients
1: that I'm seeing um, if they are I see and as you know I see I do see newly diagnosed type 2 diabetes, but I also see patients who have type 2 di- who have had type 2 diabetes mm-hmm. for a long time but have had a lot of difficulty controlling their diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always spend, especially in a new patient visit, we spend a substantial amount of time going over their diet, you know, what they're doing right now, um, and kind of getting a gauge of what they know, because ter- a lot of the times it's that, you know, they don't know to make better choices, mm. but in some instances it's, it's just a case of, you know, They know what they need to do, but, you know, life gets in the way. You know, life is, you know, work and stress and all this other stuff. And it does, you know, making good food choices can sometimes seem daunting.
0: It's so, so difficult. Ugh. It is
1: difficult, you know. And so, you know, breaking old habits and, and all of this stuff is, is is so important when it comes to effectively managing type 2 diabetes. So I always feel like it's worth spending a good chunk of that first visit um, really kind of focusing on that and, and stressing the importance of, um, uh, you know, the importance of making better food choices in, in managing your diabetes. Um I mean, you know, we all, I mean, I think everybody knows now that um, obesity is a huge problem. And the direct effects of obesity are, to a large extent, type 2 diabetes and all that comes with type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. which is high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and, and other metabolic problems.
0: So if we, if we identify the patient soon enough, and they mm-hmm. do stay on a road of a healthier lifestyle, which is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. can they can they go back? Can they revert the type two diabetes? So it, if the primary
1: underlying cause mm. for a person's type two diabetes is excess weight, which in a number of cases that is that is the primary underlying problem, then losing a substantial amount of weight, could you know put people back into the range of prediabetes or even into a non-diabetic you know range for their blood sugar Um, so yes it is you know depending on and and there are so many factors and everybody's type 2 diabetes is different Mm -hmm. however yes there is that possibility and at the very least even if they're unable to reverse their diabetes, right. they will be able to achieve well-controlled diabetes. And really, you know, whenever I sit down with a patient, I the, one of the first questions that I always ask them is, why is it important? Why do we care about controlling your diabetes? You know, is it, you know, because a lot of the times when you have mildly uncontrolled diabetes, patients are asymptomatic. And so, you know, a lot of the times it's not a huge priority because they feel okay. Right. And so we, we spend quite a bit of time talking about what the complications of diabetes are because that's really what we're trying to avoid. Right.
0: I, you know, I struggle because uh, when we think about weight loss and we think about healthier living and healthier lifestyle, I think the focus has always been well, I want to get into a dress or I want to look good in my bathing right. suit this year or I want to, you know, and I know in the back of our minds as we, as we get older, we do know it has more to do with the risk of, of some of these disease processes that we can present, prevent. Right. However, when we're younger, it te- it tends to be more self-indulgent because you're really right. focusing on the look. But if you, right. if you develop those healthier lifestyles at a younger age, you're going to develop those good habits for a lifetime. Absolutely. And I mean, there are a lot of studies,
1: you know, on pediatric obesity, Mm. which is also, you know, on the rise. So kind of incorporating these habits early on, uh, you know, making this an important part of education for children as well, Right. um, you know, and talking about making healthier food choices with children is really key, because a lot of what we do now is is management of, you know conditions that have already developed, right. um, but really where a huge amount of our focus should be is on prevention, mm-hmm. and um, and that comes from more of a you know a cultural That's shift so of, of just eating differently.
0: So do you? So that that it's a good segue into. I was thinking about mm-hmm. asking you about children. So can children develop type two diabetes?
1: You know they can, and this is. To some extent, a newer phenomenon. Because wow. in the past, when you saw, ch- saw children with diabetes, it was almost always type one diabetes. Right. 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 Which is obviously the, you know, the the autoimmune, more genetically sort of determined diabetes that that we really can't do very much about, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but which fortunately is relatively rare compared to type two diabetes. But with the onset of pediatric obesity, we are seeing a lot of children who are obese developing type two diabetes, um, which to a large extent is really preventable.
0: Have you seen, have you ever seen any children? And if you did, how young were they?
1: So I have seen some children. I mean, I'm, I'm an adult endocrinologist, so I don't really treat right. young children with diabetes. Mm. However, in fellowship, you know, we do rotate through mm. pediatric endocrinology. Mm. So, you know, I've seen children as young as nine or and, and 10 with signs of insulin resistance, which <sighs> is part of the problem with obesity, who then end up having to go on medication, check their blood sugars, you know, do all of these things. Which is a huge burden to children. And can they um, I mean, can they change? Burden- can
0: they revert the kids if they if they- so
1: if, if children adopt a healthier lifestyle right. and they lose weight, then 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 yes. But you know it is it is challenging. But they're um, susceptible
0: to and- it in the future, right?
1: They are, yes. Yeah. So there, there are a number of newer studies that look at pediatric obesity, and you know, even obesity, even children who are larger birth weight. You know, if if um, you know, depending on how well nutrition is managed in pregnancy. Um, Children who are born to uh, for instance mothers who have uncontrolled diabetes are at higher risk to become obese and to then develop diabetes themselves. So you know there's so much that we don't um, that we don't think about that has long lasting repercussions.
0: And it's such a struggle for parents nowadays especially to working parents to put mm-hmm. put a a, cre- a creative meal on the table right. and 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 to try to get your kids to even eat i know my with my daughter she's got mm-hmm. two little boys and the uh, the 16 month old until recently he was a challenge to feed a yeah. challenge you know but if he saw oreos he was starving <laughs> right you know and and that is that's a huge challenge
1: because you know i mean we all you know Lots of kids are picky eaters and, you know, and it's hard as a parent, uh, you know, you t- to when your child doesn't eat at the end of the day, you want them to get some calories. Right. So, you know, it's like you, you will. But I think a lot of I don't think that's something that we should be too concerned you know if right. it, as long as you're offering children healthy food choices right. um you know a lot of these are phases that that right. they will outgrow i mean i'm not a pediatrician but right. but i generally do think that you know if, and you know they say that with children you should offer them a food you know five or six times right. um in order for them to try it and accept it yeah definitely. Um, and i think as long as you're offering them a variety of foods and a variety especially of fruit and vegetables um And you're not obviously not offering them sugary beverages, which I think is a huge problem in, in, you know, our population. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's just something it's a work in progress.
0: Definitely. So, you know, we talk about we're talking about diet and we're talking about Mm -hmm. eating healthier because you know, an unhealthy lifestyle leads to so many things. Diabetes, you know, type two diabetes being one of them. But Mm -hmm. are there individuals that are more at risk? than others for type 2 diabetes for type 2 yeah i mean you know when you
1: look at type 2 diabetes most of the time people who have risk factors Mm. have some modifiable risk factors and some non-modifiable risk factors so non-modifiable risk factors are things we just can't do anything about like genetics a Mm -hmm. strong family history um to some extent um you know your um uh you know your what culturally, what, you know, uh, area you're from. For instance, like, you know, Caucasians versus um, Hispanics versus South Asians versus African-Americans mm. all have some, a certain degree of, of predetermined risk. Again, that's that's not something that we can change. Um, you know, things like advancing age, unfortunately, is also, you know, a, a risk factor. But fortunately, there are a number of things that we can do to modify our risk. So obesity is obviously and and the type of you know your your lifestyle is a huge modifiable risk factor other things like you know stopping smoking if you're smoking you know limiting alcohol intake um you know making sure that you get your physicals regularly you get your blood work regularly all of these things are things that you can do to lower your risk right. um so you know i think it's i think it's important to actively be involved in your health care. Definitely. And, and, uh, my, you know, uh, go ahead, so doc. On, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, No, go ahead. No, go ahead. So, so you, I mean, you know, you you'll hear some people referring to food as think of food in a way, you know, you can think of food as medicine. Mm. And, and that makes you
0: think about everything that you put in your mouth, you know? I can't believe um, you just said that because that was part of our conversation uh, with Dr. Muller, the the integrative specialist. She was saying that, that sometimes medicine has unfortunately disregarded food um, right. in the plan of care and, and how we live. And, and they just haven't focused on helping people to succeed with what they eat and how they eat
1: right and i think you know there is a growing focus on this which mm. is which is great um which didn't exist in the past now um you know there's the american college of lifestyle medicine which actually primarily focuses on lifestyle measures as a way to treat disease which is not to say that you can you know get rid of all your pills and just you know just Practice lifestyle measures. But the earlier you institute a healthy lifestyle, the less likely it's going to be that you will develop diseases that necessitate taking all of these medications.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. Even our insurances now require that we do a um, health assessment right on ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. and answer a bunch of questions. And I yes. think that's so important because you get, you get really good bonus points and right. your rates go down. If you, you know, if you maintain if that you healthy lifestyle,
1: yourself right. in your
0: healthcare, which is great. I mean, I think they have the right
1: idea. Um, you know, just answering those questions makes you think about, right. you know, your behaviors and what you're doing and it forces you to face, you know, face those things Absolutely. and think about them, which
0: is step one, I think. Absolutely. So you mentioned the the blood work. So I want yeah. to talk a little bit about blood work, if you'll indulge me. So, you know, how does a patient then, usually a patient is referred to you, If they're newly diagnosed. And I I would say nine times out of 10, it's because the primary care physician has been working with the patient and they are seeing these elevated um, blood levels. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of different ways to look at someone's glucose. But by the time, what would drive a primary care physician to send a newly diagnosed patient to you what would concern them in that blood work Um, and is it over a period of time do they give patients a couple of months and repeat them before they send them your way so what what usually happens so it depends um, to a large extent on um, how
1: complicated the patient is Hmm. Um, for instance patients who have very poorly controlled diabetes from the get-go are often referred to me so people with you know on their blood work a lot of people are probably familiar with the the A1c which is essentially a blood test used to diagnose and then to track control of diabetes so generally if patients have a a high A1c um, right from the time of diagnosis that would be someone that would be referred to me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's patients where it's not clear what type of diabetes they have. Um, you know, if they don't meet the typical um, criteria for type two diabetes, and there's a question about whether it could be type one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a patient with a lot of other comorbidities where it's you know it's not clear what medication would be best for them. Um, Sometimes it is a patient who perhaps needs um, needs a little more investigation before mm-hmm. we can establish, again, what medication would be best for them. Because we do have certain, uh, you know, tools that right. we can use, um, which, you know, which... Sometimes um, pr- a primary care physician might not be, you know, might not have the time or, or the resources to do some of those things.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I've heard you speak a number of times at, you know, different presentations that we've had. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so beneficial to understand endocrinology as the specialty. In regards to diabetes specifically, it, it's so important to work with an endocrinologist to understand because you have more tools um, because mm-hmm. that's what you do. Because that's what you do.
1: Yeah, I think it's really, I think like you said, it's really important almost to be like a a teacher to the patient so that they can really understand, you know, what's going on and why is it important. If you can get some buy-in from the patient, then you're so much more likely to have success with um, with successfully managing this disease because you know as we know it's, it's a chronic disease you know most of the time it's something that um, that patients will live with for the rest of their lives. Um, but it's important to help them understand that there's so much that they can do to effectively manage it and if they do effectively manage it, you know they really really are minimizing their risk of, of developing any kind of complications from it.
0: So I just want to let the audience who if they've just joined us, so we are speaking with Dr. Silpa who is an endocrinologist with the Franklin Medical Group um, at St. Mary's Hospital and been with us almost for a couple of years now and she's helped to put together the endocrine center um, under the direction of Dr. Thomas Ganeik who's been there, been a pillar in our community for many years and Dr. Anna Freitag also an endocrinologist and We are talking about diet and healthy lifestyle and also talking about that in relationship to um, what it can lead to if you aren't able to maintain or you don't succeed at a healthy lifestyle in type 2 diabetes. Now we talked a little bit, Doc, about um, the blood work and you mentioned A1C. And Mm -hmm. you know, when I was in nursing school, we didn't talk about A1C we Mm -hmm. didn't talk about a1c we just talked about the fasting glucose that is kind of what they focused on so a1c Mm -hmm. is is a bit newer but i know it's been out there and it's a different measurement than the fasting correct right um so a1c is a great so essentially a1c is glycated
1: hemoglobin and um, you know just to really break it down it's it's kind of a measure of the amount of glucose that's stuck to the red blood cell and the red blood cell has an average lifespan of about 120 days so it's a good way to get an idea of someone's average blood sugar readings over anywhere from a three to six month period Um, and we have you know based on studies there are established targets um, for a1c now um, you know but A1C at the end of the day is an average of blood sugar, which is really important. But what's also important in diabetes is how much variability there is in the blood sugar. And A1C doesn't, you know, doesn't tell us that part of it. Um, but fortunately, we have other things that we use, including home, you know, finger stick readings that mm-hmm. tell us whether are we getting to a good average because... This patient is having a lot of highs and a lot of lows, or are we achieving this average because the blood pressure is pretty stable and generally in a desirable range all through the day?
0: So, when, how about when a patient's doing the fasting blood sugar?
1: So, the fasting blood sugar is really important, and we do have targets for that. The only problem is that sometimes, for instance, um, you know, when you're treating someone uh, with, let's say, long-acting insulin, it isn't. Uh, You know, it is possible to achieve a good fasting sugar, but at the same time have high sugars through the day. Okay. So the the fasting sugar is like a snapshot, but it really doesn't tell the whole story. And that's what we used to get.
0: Mm-hmm. used to do the fasting, you know, just yeah. do that fasting test. I remember mm-hmm. when I was pregnant, and then you, you it's different, of course, they're, they're checking, they're checking, um, when you're pregnant, they're checking for gestational diabetes. So, right. you know, that's a little bit different. So they had to drink mm-hmm. that sugary drink. Right. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, awful. <laughs> a lot of times, some of these blood works show um, something mm-hmm. called pre-diabetes. What does right. that mean? Diabetes
1: um, essentially tells us that someone's at risk to develop diabetes, and there are A1C cutoffs. There are also fasting blood sugar cutoffs to establish a diagnosis of pre-diabetes, and when we do establish that diagnosis, it's it's kind of like a great um, opportunity to intervene, to try to prevent people from from developing or progressing to full-blown type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and and a lot of the times it's the it's the the kind of uh, uh, you know the push that people need, knowing that this is what ha- you know that they that they're that they have a chance to right. prevent that, but they are at risk. Um A lot of the times it gives them the incentive to to actually make an effort to institute lifetime change uh, lifestyle changes that they 've perhaps been thinking about but haven 't actually you know made the effort to to aggressively pursue those
0: so if someone is diagnosed as pre diabetes and say they 're working mm-hmm. with you and they do make those lifestyle changes they do um change their diet and they start exercising and they get it down but they get themselves still on the edge teetering mm-hmm. what can they stay there as a pre diabetic or, or at that point when you see that they, there's no movement do you have mm-hmm. to intervene with medication to help them bring it even lower when is that appropriate
1: so most of the time, if someone is staying in a pre-diabetic range and you're not seeing them, you know, their numbers track up, okay. um, a lot of it depends uh, on their overall, you know, um, risk profile. Mm. Um, but most of the time, if someone's staying at the low end of that pre-diabetic range and they are continuing their lifestyle efforts, I, I don't typically institute treatment. Mm. Um, the only medication that really is has been studied to be used in patients with, a treat, with pre Diabetes is metformin, um, which, um, which essentially helps to lower insulin resistance. Right. But in the biggest study they did on these patients with prediabetes, they compared lifestyle changes alone to, you know, instituting metformin to just doing nothing. And they actually found that the most effective intervention is uh, lifestyle changes accompanied by. Even a very modest weight loss of about five to ten percent of people's body weight, a lot of the times was uh, was really beneficial in preventing progression to type two
0: diabetes. So we have a, we have five more minutes. I, I want to talk mm-hmm. a bit about the patient that's diagnosed with type two diabetes that mm-hmm. may say they're diagnosed. I don't know. I'm going to use a number, the 55. They're diagnosed as uh, okay. pre-diabetes, and then mm-hmm. they become, you know, type two diabetes. But they do the diet, the exercise. They potentially may need um, medication to to assist them. Mm-hmm. Can they, you know, what is their prognosis? So it really depends if they stay in that pre-diabetic
1: range and Mm. if they, uh, you know, if they And if their other risk factors are managed appropriately, like their blood pressure, their cholesterol, you know, they don't, they're exercising, they don't have underlying heart disease, you know, there's a number of other things that can, um, that would play into whether you would decide to be more aggressive with treatment. But in general, when we're looking, you know, people whose whose numbers fall into the pre-diabetic range, we're mainly looking at what is their likelihood of developing complications from diabetes things like you know eye disease nerve disease kidney disease Mm. heart disease Um, and from what we know if we can keep that number in the pre-diabetic range the risk of developing these kind of problems is relatively low Um, so we're not rushing to you know to intervene now if that person were to you know not lose weight or gain more weight, um, you know, if they were exposed, if their diet was poor, if they were exposed to other environmental factors, if they became sedentary when they were previously active, all of these things would would, would have more, would play a larger role in determining what their prognosis would be in the future in terms of developing diabetes right. rather than just how long they've had
0: pre-diabetes. Now, I threw a number out at 55 mm-hmm. and, and, you know... I, I did that just, you know, facetiously because as we unfortunately hit that magic number of 50, mm-hmm. it seems like everything in our body changes. So yeah. when you're seeing patients coming into your office that may be newly diagnosed um, by their physicians as, um, you know, type 2 diabetes and they're seeing you, is there a particular age range that you see with men and versus women or, you know, what do you generally see? In terms of when they get Yeah, diagnosed. when they're diagnosed, yeah. When they're diagnosed, okay. So generally, you know, we start screening
1: for, for diabetes usually uh, after people turn 40 if mm. they have one additional risk factor, okay. whether that's obesity, whether that's a family history, um, you know really any risk factor and if they're over the age of 40 even if they're asymptomatic we would screw you know that's essentially what screening is right when right. someone's asymptomatic if they were symptomatic you know it really doesn't matter what the age is, we would we would be looking for it um, and as you know the whole uh, thing is that for a long time people who are prone to diabetes will be able to mask their um, you know mask their high blood sugar because their pancreas is functioning well and it's able to overcome the insulin resistance right. that's associated with obesity. Um, and there just comes a point where the the cells in the pancreas, the beta cells, which make insulin become fatigued, you know, and they just, right. they, they're tired of pumping out so much insulin to overcome the insulin resistance. And that's when you see you see it manifested in the blood work as pre-diabetes. So if you don't do something to lower the insulin resistance at that point, um, at some point you're likely to see that progress.
0: Do you notice that women that present um, with that, is there any correlation between women that are going through menopause and diabetes pre-diabetes mm. type 2? Oh, yeah, I threw one at you, Honda. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: you know, there's a lot that happens when, uh, you know, when women go through menopause. There isn't a clear correlation between menopause and diabetes. However, um, you know, we do know that when women go through menopause, with the loss of estrogen, there is some redistribution of body fat, and there is a tendency to gain some weight as Mm -hmm. women go through menopause, and indirectly, all of those things could you know impact your risk for diabetes right. um, you know it does your, your basal metabolic rate changes it becomes harder to lose weight um, you know as, as people get older um, and we and we know that even you know a lot of the times what the problem is people are able to lose some weight but the hardest thing is keeping that weight off or achieving continued weight loss um, and that has a lot to do with the way our bodies. Tend to resist weight loss. Your body tends to interpret weight loss as a state of um, almost like a state of uh, you know deprivation. Right. And in order to uh, prevent further weight loss, it, after you've lost some weight, you'll find you know the hunger hormone goes up, basal metabolic rate slows down. Um, all of these things happen to try to bring you back to the weight that you were before. And sometimes I think understanding that. Helps people continue rather than get discouraged.
0: And you have um, in the Endocrine Center um, on West Main Street. You have mm-hmm. a certified diabetes educator that works with your patients to help them succeed. Correct.
1: We do, and I think that's a big part of you know being able to target the different um, you know the different uh, aspects of uh, of. Of diabetes um, you know in one place is kind of really beneficial to patients we do we have a registered dietitian who's also a certified diabetes educator um, and we have most of our patients uh, follow with her you know Leslie mm-hmm. um, she's great and she spends um, you know quite a bit of time kind of you know going over people's uh, diet to begin with because in order to be successful you know it's important to understand what a person's diet is to begin with in order order to help them make better food choices within, you know, what what they're what they're eating, you know, because it, be, it might be cultural, you know, people from different areas have a tendency to eat specific kinds of foods, and there's no point just throwing out a one-size-fits-all meal plan to people, um, and I think it's, she really kind of sits down with them and kind of, you know, goes over what might work as a substitution for foods that patients really enjoy eating.
0: You know, at the beginning of the program, before you joined me, one of the things I was saying is, you know, we really want to help to succeed you know right. and sometimes when we go into our physician's office they're like listen you need to lose a few pounds you need to and you're like okay what do I do so you yeah, know people how? how do you do it how yeah. do you do it you know and how do you change that lifestyle so everybody goes out and buys about 20 lean cuisines and right. slim fast shakes and protein you know. bars and a yeah. bunch of yogurts but then yeah. they don't know how to cook again and then they go right. out to dinner they're like you don't have lean cuisine here <laughs> <Right>. you know <laughs> It's, 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 un, it's, it's just not a way that you can succeed. You may lose the mm-hmm. way if you, right. you know, stay regimented for a couple of months, but then to live that way is not right. easy. And I think we all know that. I think all of yep. us know that. It's just I, getting there. Mm-hmm. Getting there, exactly. So much of this
1: is education, mm-hmm. and I think so much of this is also having uh, spending the time to get to know what is doable for each patient you know what 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 is realistic um and how can we make it uh you know easier for them so that they can be successful
0: absolutely well dr shetty already kept you longer than i promised you so i want to make sure that you get to enjoy your family because you're crazy working (laughs) with us all the time so thank you so much for joining us
1: thank you thank you for having me on robin and i'm
0: gonna i'm gonna promise the crowd that i'm gonna bring you to the sparkle event in may so we're gonna put you at a table (laughs) Okay, I Uh, will see that. All right, Doc. Thank you so much. So that was Dr. Shilpachetti. She is, again, an endocrinologist at the Diabetes and Endocrinology Center at 1389 West Main Street. They're in Suite 224 Waterbury. Um, And their main number is 203 755 7711. You know, it's so funny that phone number, 203 755 7711. That's Dr. Gunnidick's original number. And when Dr. Gunnidick became a Franklin provider, we promised them we wouldn't change that number it's like one of those numbers you just can't change can't change that number because so many people know it so we kept that number it's unique to Dr. Gennady's team um, of Dr. Silpa Shetty Dr. Anna Freitag and of course Dr. Thomas Gennady we're going to take a break because we we didn't take one and when I come back I'm going to recap a little bit um, about Dr. Shetty and the Sparkle event and then I'm going to share with you a little more information on one of our newest locations we'll be right back Welcome back. Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital wrapping up our program, Medically Speaking. And we had Medically Speaking tonight with the theme of National Nutrition Month and Chew on This, which is the little theme put together for us by our Spirit of Women. And if you actually go on our Spirit of Women website, you are going to laugh because the picture is of a hamburger, a big hamburger with teeth and eyes. It's pretty funny, but it's, um, you know, really wants us to start thinking healthier and creating that healthier lifestyle. And, you know, to support um, what we want to highlight this month and what we we're talking about, we brought on Dr. Shilpa Shetty, who is, again, an uh, endocrinologist and at our um, Diabetes and Endocrinology Center. And I really wanted her to focus on diabetes and, you know, thinking about what you put in your mouth and what its effects can be, other than putting on weight. Because when you're putting on the weight, you're also making your body work harder you're making your heart work harder you're making your muscles work harder your joints work harder bringing on arthritis and working making your internal organs work harder which is you know why we're looking at more and more people developing type 2 diabetes so you know we thought bringing her on in National Nutrition Month would really be something that would be beneficial, and I hope you all thought so. So again, Dr. Shetty, um, Dr. Silpa Shetty, Diabetes and Endocrinology Center, 1389 West Main, in Waterbury, Suite 224, and their main number, 203-755-7711. Um, they definitely um, are full service. They have their certified diabetes educator, Leslie. You can find uh, more about Dr. Silpa Shetty and the rest of the physicians um, Um, going on to stmh.org. You'll see our new Trinity Health of New England logo in St. Mary's Hospital. You click on top, the Franklin Medical Group, and you will be able to see everything about um, Dr. Shetty. It's it's split up under primary care, specialty care, and surgical, surgical care care if you click on specialty clear care oh my goodness it's getting late if you click on specialty clear care you will get dr shetty johnny's giving me these googly eyes see he's flirting with me over here so when you click on specialty care and you pick um endocrinology dr shetty and her team will pull up I want to, again, um, refocus back on the Spirit of Women event. Dr. Sh- um, Shetty will be invited to that and part of our table on endocrinology. You'll be able to ask her all questions um, regarding endocrinology. She focuses a lot, too, on thyroid issues. Um, but if you'd like to know more about Sparkle and the Spirit of Women event and you have not registered for Spirit of Women, click on Spirit of Women. At the top of our website, stmh.org, click on Become a Spirit Member, and you will be able to click on there and fill out your information, and you will automatically get information on every program that we do. The Sparkle Again is event is, this is our fourth Sparkle event. I thought it was our fifth book. I, I was told it's our fourth. This is our third year out at the aqua turf. Does an incredible job. It is May 9th, from 5:30 to uh, dinner is, is served from 5:30 to 7. We're usually there from 5:30 to around 8:30, and you can start registration around 5 o'clock. Definitely taken advantage of the opportunity to connect with great community resources and St. Mary's Hospital Services. Uh, new this year, we're engaging with our physicians throughout the entire evening, not just at Dessert with the Docs. They will be in the main ballroom. Uh, treat yourself to a relaxing chair massage. Sessions are limited, so if you register early, that's great. Experience the excitement of the on-site live radio broadcast with Larry, with uh, potentially Larry Rifkin co-hosting with me. Johnny Kay will be there. You'll get to meet him. Um, And it's fun because you'll be able to really uh, witness the doctors in their element talking about their services. We're going to be having new interactive sessions, feel the energy and stress benefits of drumming. That's something I know that has been a hot craze now. We did something like that out in um, Hartford, and I know it's been done around here locally. But it's drumming, and you can all experience it and do it and sign up for the session. No experience is needed. Um, And also enjoy a wide wide selection of delicious food. And of course, special treats by our one and only Maria Sanchez from Sweet Maria's. And we're, you know, we talked about the expansion of the Spirit of Women um, programs, and we are expanding to Harford and Springfield. So, also coming soon, in June, we will have Sparkle Harford, and in November, we will have Sparkle. Springfield, So we are definitely expanding. Johnny's giving me, okay, we're almost done. So quick note, I want to make sure I, I didn't miss the opportunity to highlight one of our newer locations, which is the 3801 East Main Street location as our new one-stop shop. It is across, um, down and across a bit from Costco on East Main Street. Um, it's really, really a great location. It has primary care, specialty care, as well as urgent care with lab and x-ray services. So within our urgent care setting, if you just need an x-ray or you need your blood work done, go there. They will see you every day. Um, the location is opened um, seven days a week and you can have your your blood drawn or your x-rays done um, in the urgent care area. We have a multi-specialty space within the area and that now has gastroenterology, breast and oncology, rheumatology, general and interventional cardiology, bariatric and minimally invasive surgery um, visits. We also have our primary care physicians which is Dr. Salib and Dr. Burleson and one of our newest um, um, APRNs start um Anthony Guglielmo. Um, We're also having within the urgent care our new thing. I think you've seen our billboards called OrthoSwift. More to come on that, but OrthoSwift is going to be offered and is offered at all of our urgent care um, locations. So anyone that has an urgent orthopedic issue, a sprain, twist over the weekend or during the week, our physicians can see you. So Johnny's telling me i got to wrap it up. So I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. We will have this available live on our, uh, this live broadcast on our podcast, um, St. Mary's Hospital, medically speaking on iTunes. This is Robin Sills. Have a great, great, safe weekend. Thank you.
1: Exceptional. Ooh, exceptional. Ooh. This is 1320 AM WATR Waterbury.